Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just come to you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We are in your house and you are with your people. And all we ask is open ears, open hearts, and an open heaven where the ministry of the Holy Spirit can take place in our midst, Lord. I pray and I command every spirit of unbelief to leave. Their hearts will be open, minds will be open to understand, to believe, to receive what God has for us today, for this time and this season. For God, you're never behind time, behind schedule. You do all things in your time, Lord, and help us not to miss your time and move with your spirit. So even this morning, Lord, encourage us, empower us, exhort us, correct us, chastise us. Do your work, Holy Spirit. We just surrender ourselves at your feet. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We looked last Sunday, uh, two Sundays back at Galatians 5.25 about walking. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, the, the little difference, the little difference, okay? This walking in the spirit and living in the spirit are not identical. That's what we were trying to differentiate. You can be a good man, a good woman, a good child who lives in the spirit and actually doesn't walk in the spirit. In Romans eight fourteen, scripture says, as many as are led, leading demands a walking. There is a walking that is demanded. Why the issue is, you have, I think I said it two Sundays back, I don't remember too many messages in the past two weeks. There were two identical, I mean two men who came out of the same home into the same land, Abraham and Lot. Two men, righteous, both are called righteous. Abraham and Lot are called righteous. But one man did not here to walk. He did not hear to walk. So what happened is, when the day of judgment came, he did not hear, he was not prepared. While the other man had a habit of hearing, so he was forewarned of what was going to happen in the land where his nephew was dwelling. That's what I'm talking about, hearing. Hearing from God. Okay, our God is, it's not that he gave us a book and said, okay, fine, now you got a book, my work is over. No, he said, no, I'm actively involved in your life. Actively involved in your life. And if he's not involved, life actually becomes either boring in circles or discouraging. And you become desperate. We sang today songs of our discouragement and about fear. We sang about all these things. But when you learn, actually it's a process of learning to walk with God, hearing from God and walk with God. You have no clue how he, how he comes up beside you. And let me tell you, last, not last Sunday, yeah, last Sunday and the week before that. I finished one convention, traveled from one end of the state to the other end of the state, up the mountains, reached the capital Gangtok, worked the night. The next day is the next three-day convention, including Sunday. Last Sunday, I preached for three hours, and then we had lunch, and they had wanted one more meeting, so it went for four and a half hours. 
But you need to realize, I worked the night, I've got my text, everything ready, and Sunday morning, no, the first day of the convention, second convention morning, I wake up, <coughs> and the Holy Spirit says, you are not preaching from that. And there I have to go stand before the people, and he gives me six verses from what you heard on the anniversary Sunday, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 40, six verses. And for the next three days, it was six verses. Hours after hours and hours, I knew he was standing by me and speaking and giving me the text after text to go with it, starting with, which I didn't tell any of those things with you or anybody else, starting with, when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. And when I had finished that first verse, he said, stop. And he said, now speak to them. When evening comes, what I speak to people is different from what I speak to people during the day. When the evening has come, the night is coming, darkness is covering over the whole earth. What is that you and I need to hear? And from there, I knew. You see, you suddenly realize the burden is gone. He's taken over. It is his job. I don't have to struggle anymore for the next three days. So when I talk about the spirit standing up with you and affirming and confirming and speaking through you or any, any kind of work, because the Bible talks about every kind of work, you will suddenly realize what it means. It's not by might, our might or our power. It is by his spirit. Actually, things are done because a lot of Christians are good people who Live by faith, which is a good godly living, but they don't walk by faith. And because you don't walk by faith or I don't walk by faith, God cannot really use us to bring the transformation nations are looking for. Because transformations, you look at any man God has used in the Bible, any man starting with Abel to the last man, you will see they heard and they did something. Abel by faith. Enoch by faith, Noah by faith, when he heard about what was coming, moved by godly fear, built an ark. He knew what was coming and he heard and he built. Abraham, when he heard, he obeyed and left his father's land to go to a place without knowing where he was going. You cannot walk by faith unless you have heard. You have heard. Lot never heard, he just followed. He never heard. He just followed Abraham. He was just looking for prosperity. And when he was given a choice, he chose and he walked away. And he never heard. And when he heard, it was too late to make decisions because he was such a compromised Christian. So this is what we are talking about. And we saw two Sundays back, we start, looked at Elijah. We saw Elijah's movement. There's always movement in spiritual life. We do not know where he was. Wherever he was, maybe in Tishbe, the next thing you know, because what he heard, he's standing before Ahab. And next thing you know, he's moving east to Kerit. And then he hears, as soon as he's moved, I have commanded the ravens and I have made provision for you. Drink from the brook and the ravens will come. And we had the title in First Kings chapter 17, verse 17. It happened after a while, the brook dried up. And the question is, when your brook dries, what do you do when your brook, your source of water, dries up? It does not say the ravens stopped coming. 
It does not say that. It says, the brook dried. You all have your word. Everybody has. At least have you have it on your app. Maybe those who have apps have more than one word version on your app. But that's not what it is talking about. It's talking about the flow of the anointing stopped. The rain had ceased. Therefore, the brook dried. What do you do when your brook dries? In Psalm 133 and verses 1 to 3, Scripture says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. talking about the anointing. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for the Lord has commanded the blessing life forever. That's how the anointing flows. And this was the command, until the word of the Lord comes from my mouth, no dew, no rain. Not even dew. That means there is not even a trickle. It's not even a trickle. Everything is dried up. The Holy Spirit is not moving in that direction anymore. What do you do? The ravens are there. But the dew, the rain, the oil, the fire, all symbols of the Holy Spirit. What happens? What happens to the land? It dries up. What happens to an head when there is no oil? What happens to a shield, your faith, when there is no anointing? Remember King Saul? Remember? Second Samuel 1.21 The shield, O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor the fields of offering for the shield of the mighty is cast. Why was this shield cast away? Because it had rusted. It was dried. There's no oil upon it. Let me explain the spiritual truth here. What happens when your brook dries? What happens to people when the brook dries? In First Samuel 16 and verse 14, scripture says, But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Meaning the Lord allowed a demonic spirit to start troubling him. When the Holy Spirit left, when the brook dries, the land becomes dry. The Holy Spirit left. In Matthew 12 and verse 43, this is what God said. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through what places? Dry places. Look, goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. It's fun, it's interesting, right? Two different things, concepts here. It's interesting. Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, yoke is light, my burden is light. I'll give you rest for your souls. Labor to enter into my rest. This is all to believers who are struggling. God calls them. Come to me. But even demons are looking for rest. Their rest is different from our rest. They look for dry places for rest. We look for where the river is flowing. There we find rest. What is the demons looking for? Dry places. Jesus offers a rest. It's found in the spirit. The devil offers another rest. Not for us. For his demons, it is found in dry places. 
Please understand this. Both nature and human nature abhors a vacuum. If the Holy Spirit is not flowing in your life, you are naturally the attraction of demonic entities. Keep it flowing. 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 It is not talking of the bread. It is talking about the brook. The Pharisees carried the word with them, but they were infested with demonic spirits because they resisted the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus told the Samaritan woman. You come, the water that I give it to you in John chapter 4 and 14, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. It's a fountain springing forth. Will never be dry again. Will never be dry again. Unless you choose to allow the brook to dry. There are so many things in the kingdom of God which believers have to understand and to be very, very careful about. Like I said, the teachings of the past few weeks we are giving you is about the Holy Spirit. One needs to be very, very careful about the Holy Spirit. Very, very careful about the Holy Spirit. And there are symbols of the Holy Spirit, different kinds of symbols and different kinds of operations of the Holy Spirit is given in the Bible in terms of water, in terms of dew, in terms of oil, in terms of fire. Different operations of the Holy Spirit. It's all Him, but He operates differently with each symbol as He is represented. Water and fire are both incredibly Powerful symbols of the Holy Spirit. It symbolizes both blessing and judgment. Both blessing and judgment. Both. The Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. After the, This is the first judgment which took place. We do not know how many millions of years ago. The first judgment took place. Scripture says after. The, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There's a huge gap. Nobody knows what happened. There was a judgment. And as a result of the judgment. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The waters had covered everything. It was judgment. The spirit hovering over the waters. The first judgment. The second judgment we see in the Bible is a judgment during Noah's time. Again, water is a form there, Holy Spirit, as a judgment in Genesis 7.24. And the waters prevail on the earth 150 days. Covered the whole earth. Covered the whole earth. The water. The judgment of God in terms of water is both redemptive and destructive. Good. Redemptive and destructive. The waters that destroyed Noah's age was also the same waters that saved Noah and his family. Scripture says they were saved through the waters. Because while one set of people were going down and down and drowning and sinking in the water, another small set of people were going up and up and up and up by the same water. Took them. So the Holy Spirit is both redemptive, and if you refuse his work, is also destructive. And so about his fire. 
in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, when John talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when he tells us he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire, this is redemptive for us. It redeems us. It cleanses us. It purifies us. This is the redemptive fire of the Holy Spirit. But when we don't receive it, and the people who don't receive it, at the end, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the Holy Spirit will do another work. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which heavens will pass away with a great Noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So when the redemptive work of the fire of the Holy Spirit is finished, the destructive work of the fire of the Holy Spirit will consume what is left. It will consume it. And there is a record of this, uh, a symbol of this, in the third judgment recorded in the Bible. In the third judgment recorded in the Bible is localized. It is in the plains of Shinar of Sodom and Gomorrah. And once Lot and his family are taken out, the righteous has been taken out, there is a fire that comes. And it's very interesting how it is described in the Bible. The Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from... From the Lord of the heavens. Jesus is standing over there and he says, Holy Spirit, you can do your work. And fire came down. The fire of the Holy Spirit came and consumed those cities. And everything was burned up. So there are these pictures in the Bible for our sake. The God of water, the Holy Spirit has water, has dew. The Holy Spirit has fire. And these things should be impressed in our minds so that we understand how the Holy Spirit is moving, what the Holy Spirit is saying. Okay? So the scripture we are looking at first is that brook dried. Remember what Prophet Samuel had told King Saul before the Holy Spirit was lifted. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity. Because we have rejected the word of the Lord. What is that? This is the living word of the Lord that came through the Holy Spirit through the mouth of his prophet. He said you rejected the Holy Spirit, the word he gave. And rebellion is like? And stubbornness is like? Idolatry, iniquity. Now read Psalm 68 and verse 6. God sets the solitary in families and brings out those who are bound in prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in? Where? Dry land. How does the rebellious dwell in dry land? Because rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You have rejected the Holy Spirit. So he withdraws the Holy Spirit. You become dry and you become an inhabitation for the demonic. That's what happened to Saul. That's what happened to Saul. So there are dry people, dry homes and dry churches. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been grieved. They have not learned how to walk with the Holy Spirit. And the hallmark of those lives is rebellion and stubbornness. 
rebellion and stubbornness. I was telling Pastor Peter a long time back. Stubbornness and perseverance are almost similar. Perseverance is, Lord, I am going to hang in there and your way and not my way. Stubbornness is, Lord, I am hanging in there my way and not your way. There are a lot of people who are incredibly stubborn. Incredibly stubborn. And they don't even realize they are stubborn. Sometimes. And they confuse their way as God's way. And they are dry. They are dry. They are dry. They are dry. How do you know? You see that dryness. You don't see the Holy Spirit moving in their lives. Personally speaking to them. Because the minute the Holy Spirit is moving, there is no fear. There is no discouragement. It just comes and you just brush it off. You just brush it off because you know the river is flowing. The brook is flowing. You know you are in pace with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about the third set of people within the church, which is even more or dangerous, which is what happened to Lot. They are neither um, persevering nor stubborn. The Bible talks they are at ease. They're cool. They're nice people. Harmless, nice people, no harm, no good. They are at ease. Remember the rich man whom God called the rich fool? He said, I am at ease. And God says, woe to those in Zion who are at ease. ease. They have found an earthly security for their earthly needs, so they no longer can be moved by the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to Lord. He found security. He had a house. He had possessions, he had property, he had everything. So he was not bothered. He was not bothered. Until that day came. Then that day came, he realized, all the things I have means nothing when judgment comes. So be careful as we look at these things. So the question is, where are we? Are we dry? For the rebellious live in a dry land. In a dry land. And Jesus says, the unclean spirits are looking for dry places. I think in 19, in the beginning of 1990s, David Wilkerson preached a famous sermon called, Demons Don't Like Water. Demons Hate Water. The man at the gatherings had a legion. And the demon spoke and said, why have you come before our time? Don't send us to the abbess. Send us to the swine. Jesus sent them to the swine. You know what the, his reading is that the Holy Spirit compelled the swine to commit suicide so they won't reside in them. Got them into the water so they had to come out again because demons don't like water. They like Dry places. It's an incredible message. Long, long, long time back ago, I think I read it or heard it. Long time ago. I think it's called Demons Don't Like Water. It's true. We are talking about the water of the Holy Spirit. The rebellious are stubborn and you become a dry place. And the oil doesn't flow. The river doesn't flow. The brook has dry. You are dry. You are dry. You are dry. Don't be dry. That's not life. That's not the life. The rebellious are dry because they live in a dry land. 
Is that why when we hear these terms like submit, surrender, we hate it so much? Have you ever asked why? If Christ, not if, Christ is the head of man positionally. But functionally he is the head only when he is, when the man is submitted to Christ. Then only the oil flows. Then only the river flows. And God is the head of Christ. Why did Jesus go to such incredible lengths to be submitted to God in all things? To keep the oil flowing. To keep the oil flowing. That's why I said scripture does not say the raven stopped. Scripture says the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry? This is not a rebellious man. This is a good man. This is an obedient man. Why did the brook dry? So imagine you are an obedient man or an obedient woman or an obedient child sitting here. No rebellion in your life and whenever you sin, you go back, put it right with the Holy Spirit and the brook dries. Why? Because the kingdom of God is always associated with movement. God keeps moving his people. I'm not talking about physical movement, though it is shown as physical movement in the Old Testament, but spiritual movement. Kingdom of God, there is no stationary position. You are always moving with God. It's a call that is upward. So when the brook dries, you need to hear. Lord, did I do anything, Lord, to grieve you? No. Then why is it not flowing? Time to move. Time to move. I haven't stopped flowing in your life. But the next level is at another place. And I, you need to meet me there. Where the oil will start flowing again. Where the river will start flowing again. You have to move on with God. Okay, you have to move on with God. That's why the brook, brook stops. So that we keep moving. So what do you do when the brook dries? The bread is still there. But do you know that man can live without bread for many days, but can hardly live without water? Man can live a religious life with this word and do his devotions, but cannot move spiritually one inch ahead without the Holy Spirit moving? He cannot. You cannot. The bread is there. The Holy Spirit stops. There's no more movement. There is no more movement. So please remember, there is an outward reality and there is an inward reality. Outward reality is in First Corinthians 10, 4 about Israel. This is the outward reality. They all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Christ was smitten and the Holy Spirit in form of water is being released into it and they are drinking it. Right? That's the outward reality. Inward reality, Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff naked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Outward and inward doesn't match. Outwardly, everybody is looking good. 
Outward evidence. That's why I said don't look outward. All the ages you look through Israel's history, when they rebelled and the Holy Spirit was withdrawn, they were prospering. Sodom and Gomorrah, when judgment came in, they were prospering. All the times the kings of Israel and Judah, when they were rebelling and the Holy Spirit was being withdrawn, they were prospering outwardly. Inwardly, they were dry. Inwardly, they were dry. They uncircumcised in hearts and ears. And scripture says you are stiff naked. Your necks are stiff. Exodus 32.9 The Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people and indeed it is the stiff naked people. See the problem is the yoke has to be put on the neck. And what if you got a stiff neck? How do you move? How does the Holy Spirit move a stiff naked people? Stubborn which it means. In 33.3 scripture says, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff naked. Go. You want prosperity? Go. Please take it. I am not coming. My spirit comes with you. You will be consumed. Why? Because you are stiff necked. In Isaiah 48 verse, so I'm just giving you three references. Because I knew that you were obstinate and your neck was an iron sinew and your brow was bronze. Your neck was of iron, stiff, cannot be moved, it's not malleable. My way. My way. Not your way. I need your power. I need all that provision and all, but my way. And your brow is bronze. And if you look at Elijah's time in that entire land, entire Israel, Judah land, there are only 7,000 who have not bent their knee to Baal. But only two God could lead. Of 7,000 who are righteous, only two God could lead. Who are those? Elijah and a widow. Just two who are walking. Because you cannot walk unless you're here. And the rest are actually stubborn, stiff-necked. God wants to save the land. He looked and found one man who would be led by the Spirit. And he found one poor woman who would sustain that man. And to move that man from that place to this appointed place, what did he do? He dried the brook. Dried the brook. Because one of the things, wherever I go, all these places, all these churches, even here, everywhere. What defines the service is the worship. And immediately you know, the worship is not flowing. And it's got nothing to do with the worship team. Sometimes, yes, sometimes. Simply because people are dry. That's why in the new covenant there is no music mentioned, no songs mentioned, nothing mentioned. No instrument mentioned, nothing. Because worship is the new covenant. New covenant. Why do people don't worship? Because they are dry. They try. When people are not dry, when the Holy Spirit is moving, worship flows. Even in prison, in the midst of chains, worship flows. Cannot be stopped. 
and the brook dried. It's a very dangerous phase if Elijah decides to stay back by the brook. Thank God he moved. He heard and he moved. In Ezekiel 37 and verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And those bones were very dry. Very dry. That's what the next verse will say. Very dry. The spirit of the Lord brought me, set me in a valley of bones. And the bones were very in verse 3, he asked this question. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these dry bones live? Can they live? Verse 4. Son of, yeah, next one. Or 7, I think I gave you 7, yeah. So I prophesied as I was commanded. What is it? How do you know you will live? If you haven't lost your hearing. If you still have some semblance of hearing from God, you can live. First thing you lose is your hearing. The first thing you receive is your hearing. I was telling in the convention, have you ever seen a baby? It doesn't see. Imagine Abel and Priyanka's baby in the mother's womb. For nine months, it saw nothing. Eyes were closed. It smelled nothing. It felt nothing. It tasted nothing. It was fed through that tube from the mother. Nothing. No sight, no smell, no touch, no taste, nothing. Except hearing. That's there. That's there. That's why when Elizabeth comes and Mary comes and greets Elizabeth, whatever she said, hallelujah, the child leaped because it can hear. That's why even if the child cannot see when it is born, it recognizes the parents' voices, knows those voices are familiar. The first thing you lose in the kingdom of God is your hearing. Can these bones live? They are dry. Absolutely dry. Can they live? You know, Lord. Okay, you prophesy. You prophesy. If they hear, they will live. You prophesy. And he prophesied. And there was a noise. They heard. There was a noise. They heard. And suddenly a rattling, the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. The sin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Still not enough. You you are hearing. You are bringing order into your lives. Things are falling into place. That still doesn't mean you are still living until the Holy Spirit comes. Still there was no breath. And verse 9 says, so he said to them, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on this lane that they may love. He says, okay, order has come. Now you prophesy to the wind, let it come. Let it come. That's why I said, if you look at First Kings chapter 17 and verse 8 and 9, when the brook dried, then the word of the Lord came to him 
saying. The brook right. I haven't lost my hearing. I haven't lost my hearing. The brook is dead. It's not a drop of water left. But I haven't lost my hearing. Verse 9. Arise, go to Zarephath. He heard. Arise, go to Zarephath. He was circumcised in his heart and in his ear. So he could hear. The book of Deuteronomy, we know 36, I will circumcise your heart that you will love God with all your heart, all your might. Look at the other one. Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no more. How do you know you have been circumcised in your heart? You are not stiff-necked anymore. See, even pharmaceutical companies know that if you have a stiff neck, they will sell you an ointment called move. No stubbornness in Elijah. The brook has dried. He hears. What does God say? Move. Arise. Go. Where? To Zarephath. Nobody wants to go to Zarephath. I told you. You know from that Sunday's message. That's the enemy's citadel. You don't want to go there. I've commanded a widow. Not even a rich lady. A widow. I've commanded. It doesn't matter. I will go. It doesn't matter where you sent me. Where you sent me. It doesn't matter. In First Kings chapter 17 and verse 10. He arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, What did he ask first? Give me a little what? Give me a little what? What did she ask her first? First, what did you ask first? That's the first thing I asked it for in the morning as I woke up. Lord, I need your spirit. I need a little water. I have the word. I have my notebook. I have my pen. I have a marker. A little water. Is that what you said when you came to the church? If you came on time for the worship, Lord, church is beginning. A little water that I might worship you. A little water. What is your first request this morning? Facebook? Breakfast? This is the prophet. This is the great prophet. One of the mightiest in the Old Testament. Taken in fire. Up. will come back again. His first request. Still what? Is this how your day begins? It's walked from Zarephath to here. From Kerith to here. He's dry. When you are dry inside, it doesn't matter from which vessel God uses to anoint you. Little water. Give me little water. Bring me little water. Because without your spirit, I am nothing. Without your spirit, I can do nothing. How do you worship without the spirit? The God is looking for worshippers who will worship him with spirit and in truth. Go back today and do your homework of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. It's interesting. What are they talking about? Water. What they end up talking about? Worship. Eight times water, nine times worship. 
You look through. Water, water, worship, water, worship, water, worship, water, then water and worship becomes one. Because those who receive the Spirit will worship. Those who are saved cannot stop worshipping. Because you understand what salvation means. Israel is my firstborn. Let him go. Let him make a three-day journey into the wilderness that he might worship me. Worship. Everything looks dry, but give me a little water. Give me a little water. She came in the heat of the day through the deserted place. Dry. She's dry. The place is dry. She reaches the well and she goes full. She's not like Naomi grinding her teeth in Bethlehem and saying, I went full and I came empty. The Samaritan woman's story is, I came empty and I went full because I found the river of life waiting for me there. That's how you should go each time you come to church. Come empty, go full. It's not I who fill, it's the spirit who fills. Verse 11. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. He looked at it last Sunday. God looks at the first step of obedience. Now we want the second word and the third word and the fourth word and the fifth word and the sixth word. God says, no. Just listen to the first one. And you will hear the second one. If you haven't done the first one, how can I tell you the second one? When he saw her going, he said, give me a little bread. Water and bread. Water and bread. All the symbols God uses through the Bible. Talking about his son and his spirit. Bread and water. My son and my spirit. My son and my spirit. You need both. And don't grieve my spirit. Verse 12. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a little. Only? How much do you have? How much do you have? That's all God is asking. How much do you have? She says, I have only little. She's almost dry, but not entirely dry. She's got a little. I got a little flour and a little oil. I just got a little word in me and a little anointing. God says, how much do you have? Do you have a little? Do you have a little? Matthew 17 and verse 10, Jesus says, yeah, if you have faith as little, little as a, oh, not that one, as a mustard seed. If I were to hold a mustard seed, you cannot even see it. But God says, that is all that is enough to start moving mountains. You mean to say you go through all these situations in your life and you are stumbling and bumbling over it and you don't even have faith as little as a mustard seed? As little. As little as a mustard seed. Then the question should be asked, are you a believer? Ephesians 2.8 By grace you have been saved through, if you did not have faith, you cannot be saved. So if you are saved, you have faith. 
either you have faith and you are saved and you are not using your faith or you have no faith and you are not saved. You cannot be both. I am saved but I have no faith. No, it's not possible. You are saved by grace through faith. And Romans 5 two. From whom also we have access by faith into this grace. You're standing on grace today. The power of the Holy Spirit. It is through faith. Do you have little? And Romans 12.3 For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one. Everybody has got a measure of faith. So don't say you. if you are saved you had a measure of faith. The woman said, I have nothing. A little? Flour? Little? Oil. Do you have a little? Do you have a little at least? Little? Little? Concha? Check your heart. Do you have a little? Or you have no faith at all? Do you have a little? You have a little faith then God can speak further to you. In verse 13, this is what Elijah says. Do not fear. You have a little, then don't be afraid. Remember? Anniversary Sunday? Why are you afraid? Don't you have any? If you have a little faith, God can deal with your fears. If you have no faith, how does God deal with your fears? Do you have a little Little faith. Your fears are there. It can be dealt with. But to deal with this faith, fears, you need little faith. Do not be afraid. He said, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Now listen carefully. You're going to use that little faith of yours. Listen carefully. You cannot use your faith the way you like it. Listen carefully. You have a little, right? Listen. Go and do as you have said. You said, I have a little flour, little oil. I'm going to make two cakes of barley. I'm going to eat. My son is going to eat. And we are going to lie down and die. He says, go do as you said. Go make your cakes. But, it's a correction. And it's very important. The correction is very important. When God says, go. Do as you said. Don't run away. Listen after that what you say. You can do what I told you. You can do what you said. But there is a correction here. And the correction will change everything in your life. What is that? But make me a small cake from it. What do you need to do first? You need to take that little flour, little oil, and make me the cake first. That will change your entire life, lady, if you believe. Make me a small cake from it first. This is where we go wrong. This is where the, our bin doesn't keep filling up. This is why our oil goes dry. Because we only heard one part. Go do what you said. We didn't hear the other part. We ran away, we made our cake, we ate it and we died. Because we didn't hear the second part. What is the second part? Make it and give it to me first. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 44 and verses 15 to 18. You're just taking a tangent connected with this. This is the sons of Zadok before God. 
But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord. They shall enter my sanctuary, they shall come near my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. Go up. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner courts, they shall put on the linen garments, no wool shall come upon them, while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house, they shall have linen turbans on their heads, linen trousers on their body, they shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. And verse 19, when they go out to the outer court, to the outer court, to the people, they shall take off their garments in which they have ministered. Let's go to the beginning. What are priests doing? These are priests. You look very carefully what God is saying. He is telling, they shall come near me to minister to me and they shall stand before me to offer to me, says the Lord. They shall enter my sanctuary. They shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my, make it and give it to me. First, you have a duty to your people. It doesn't come before your duty to me. It doesn't come. Your day doesn't begin with man. Your day begins with God. Me, 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 my, my, my. How did your day begin? You know why people struggle? Believers struggle. We are talking with unbelievers a hundred and different ways to do things. We have only one way. We have no two ways. There's only one way. And the way is very narrow. Because in the middle is somebody called me standing there. What did he say? Make me first. Then you and your son eat. Seek ye first. And all these things shall be Added unto you. Come to me first and wrap yourself in what? Go further up. Wrap yourself up in what? They shall put on linen garments. See, God is so particular about what you dress in. Now don't go shopping after church. That's not what it means. You go read the book of Exodus. The high priest and the priest was called to dress only in linen. Why? You shall not wear anything that causes you to sweat. God says, when you, anybody who enters into my presence, he should be at rest. Is at rest. At rest. When you and I were saved, he did not put garments of wool around us. He put garments of linen around us. You are at rest. You don't have to worry. You are in charge. I am in charge. You are taken care of. And that's what the Bible talks about constantly, about entering, laboring to enter into that rest, to be at still. Lord, there are 5,000 people waiting there, Lord. They're all coming, 10,000 member congregation. God says, shut up and minister to me. I'll give you what they need. You will struggle with them. Of course you will struggle with them. They all kinds of cats, dogs will be there among them. In that 10,000. All will be there. Rebellious, stiff-necked, goats, sheep, lambs, everything will be there. They will drive you crazy. That's why I told you change your dress. Because among them you will sweat. 
But before me, you don't have to sweat because I do not want your labor. Stand at ease in front of me, rest, and then go out. It's a God who gives no trouble and sends you to a people who gives you only trouble. Honestly, Jesus walked with 12 disciples who gave him a lot of trouble. You wouldn't even pray for him in his, in his most difficult need. Hour. Rest. That's what the linen garment symbolized. No sweating. No struggling. Just come here. Minister before me. Take care of me. Take care of my needs. Meaning God has no needs. But by taking care of it, he pours himself into our life. That is the rest. And that is the rest in which Jesus walked. Going back and learning from Jesus. How did you manage your ministry with so much ease? With so much pressure? And he realized he always put his father first. So he had rest. So his last act. Into thy hands I commit my spirit Lord. And he died restfully. He died. And look at what's written next. In Luke 23, 53. They took it down. Even in death he had rest. They wrapped it in. The true priest. At rest, in his work, through it all, wrapped it in linen. And then one day he will come back to conquer and to rule with his saints. Revelation 19 and verse 14. 14, not 4, 14. 19 and 14. And armies in heaven closed in. They're at rest. At rest. You know, in the entire 50 chapters of the book of Genesis, linen is mentioned only once. That is when Joseph is brought before the Pharaoh and declared, show us that. Genesis 41. The Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine. It's at rest now. The troubles are over, son. You allowed my spirit to move you through all these dungeons. Now you are at rest. Be clothed in linen. Bring your little to God. Because the first thing is rest. Because if you are not at rest, you cannot offer your little to God. It's restless people trying, offering time. But the bag is coming closer and closer. Nothing smaller. (laughs) Restless. And giving your life. Restless. Giving your time. Restless. Restless. Be at rest. Rest. And give you a little. Bring you a little. Bring you a little. Every day, first thing you do is to labor. And it is a practice. That's why first thing in the morning you go to God. And you don't go to Facebook. You go to God. And you practice it. And after some time you will realize, you know what, there is rest. Because things are happening in this nation and all nations. Let me tell you. 
you have no clue if you are not watching the news carefully around the world that is happening to the church everywhere. 2020, if the Democrats get the House, the Senate and the Presidency, it's over for the church in the U.S. They made it very clear. They don't want the religious group. They're going to pass laws which will make everything that is abominable to God and push it on the church. Take it or we shut you down. What's happening in this country? What's happening in China? Don't worship Jesus. Worship. Remove all your pictures of Jesus from every home and replace it with the picture of the president. And such surveillance, they're watching everybody. And you think you're ready? You think you're really ready? You think we are really ready for a time and a season like this without the brook flowing through us, the anointing flowing unhindered? That's what Elijah faced. The king had sent men to every nation surrounding probably his men to look for him. But the king couldn't find him. Right under his father-in-law's nose, he was sitting there and happily eating and sleeping. If the anointing doesn't move, we don't hear and we are exactly at the positions where God wants us to be placed and we are hearing constantly when the day of hour and trouble comes, we won't even know we have fallen away. We won't even know. Because we are still going to church. We won't even realize we have fallen away. Be careful. Don't take this. It's been things I've been telling for years together before the previous election. People prophesied and all prophecy. Things are going to change. Young leadership coming and time of peace for nothing of that happened. Exactly the opposite happened. Nonsense. Lots of prophets walking around not preparing people for the dark days that are coming. It's no time to sleep. That's why Jesus said, the night is coming, the evening is coming. Revelation 7, sorry, 17 and verse 14, King 17. It will be that you will drink from the brook. No, 14, not 4. Verse 14. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run until the day the Lord sends, sends rain on the earth. We don't know when the overflow will come. But till that day we need to be sustained. I need the living bread for today. I need the anointing to keep it. That's how you go through each day. Without it you are dead. You are dead meat. You are dead meat. You have no strength to stand up. You have no strength to speak your voices. Nothing. Nothing. Everywhere. Letters are going out from the government. Going out. Little by little by little it is going out. Anything that is a trust, society, everything that is registered, orders are going out. Trustees have to sign, make this thing, that you will not convert. What's the church business then? It's coming out. They will use enforcement directorate and income tax. Two departments they will use. That's how. Everywhere in the world it's been happening. Why think we are going to be exempted because we are Indians? No. Okay. I believe December next parliament session wait. They are waiting for the election is to be over. Once it is over the anti-conversion bill will come. The problem is not with the cops. The problem is with the mobs. You go with this Bible to church. They will stop you and ask what are you? BC or OC? And if you are this, why are you carrying this?
That's why I said, this app should be here. Day and hour is coming. If God doesn't change stuff, because he has pity that a church in India is not prepared at all. You have to go to Kerala, to some of those Catholic churches and all. What they have done, they have changed everything to appease a system. Diyas and Arti and everything. And when the Ganapati thing is going, it's brought into the church. And the priest also plays this and then it is taken out. What are you? What are you? What are you? You know why? Because neither bread nor oil is flowing. It is dead. Dry places. Dry places. He says, I will. Two people alone. Two people alone in that whole land. I will sustain you with bread and oil until the rain breaks through. I will sustain you both. The rest of the place is going to be a dry land. It's a dry land. And this world is going to be very soon going to be a dry land. I didn't say it. God said it. Revelation 18 and verse 2. He cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of what? A demons. Why? Demons love dry places. Dry places. So as we traverse through these dry places, listen carefully. Because if you listen carefully, there is oil and water for us. Because the greatest enemy of the Righteous person, the believer is ease. Lord's greatest enemy was ease. The one thing in, what was the, actually if you look at Lot and Abraham, this was all put for our sake. If you look at Lot and Abraham, you know what, both were prosperous. Both had big, huge, huge properties and everything. What was the difference, the only visible difference between these two people? Yeah, one had a tent and one had a house. And other than that, in Lot's life, there is no movement. In Abraham's house, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving. Lot is not moving at all. And when there is no movement in your life, you know you are stagnant. I'm not talking about physical movement, I'm talking about spiritual movement. When your spiritual life has become monotonous, the same daily reading, and the two bits from the Psalms, and three minutes of prayer, and you shut up and go, that means you are dry. You are dry. God says, I'm bored with you. Even kids don't watch the same program over and over again. And we expect God to hear the same monotonous prayer over and over again. You know why? Because we are dry. We are dry. We are dry. It's a very dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. Yet God says, there is water. There is oil. There is bread in the most unlikely places reserved for his people by God. Only don't resist. Don't resist. Don't be stiff-necked. Be like Eliza. By faith. Faith means you don't know. That's simply what faith means. You don't know. Faith looks at a person who is invisible called Jesus Christ. It looks at a place called the city which has no foundations of old foundations of old. It has a person, it has a place and it has a thought life. Keep your mind on things above and not on things below. Three things, very clearly mentioned in the Bible. A person, a place and your thought life. That's faith. And when it is not that, it is on persons below and places below and thoughts that are below, you're dry spiritually. 
And God says it's a very dangerous place to be. Very dangerous place to be. And God is constantly warning us. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. Don't get in the cycle of history that has swept nations. Get back into your prayer closet with me. Not for your needs. I am your need. I am your need. You don't realize I am the one you need. An entire population called by Elijah, they all have gathered, maybe not the whole nation, maybe tens and thousands are there on Mount Carmel. And look at them how they are when Elijah asked them a question in 2 Kings 18 and verse 21. Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is, but if Baal follow him, the people answered him, nothing. Why? Stiff-necked people. Nothing. They answered him nothing. No response. Nothing. We don't are going to answer you. Nothing can happen unless that changes. Nothing can happen. It's God's incredible mercy towards the stiff-necked people that God sends his prophet, asks this competition, two altars over there, allows one guru from morning till evening to do all their natak and dancing and all over there, and he blocks them. What if he hadn't blocked them? What if he hadn't blocked them? What if one of the Baal's prophet managed to bring fire down? The nation is gone. You need to see God's heart. He is the one who is intervening everything, blocking everything, because he wants his people to come back to him. Because, no, I am that what you need. In 18 verse 30, this is what Elijah says. I know you have heard all this before. Let's go back. He said to all the people, what did he say? Come. It's the first call of God. The first call of God is, he doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your prayers. He doesn't want your Bible study. He doesn't want it. He says, just, will you come near me, please? Will you come, please come near me? That's the first call of God to Israel. Come near me. They said, no, we'll stand far. Will you come close? Now we have robots, no? So we won't come near. We'll use robotic apps to repair the altar. God says, please come near. Will you come near? The people came near. So all the people came near. And what does scripture say? The people repaired the altar of the, the Lord? No. He repaired. Who repaired? He repaired. Elijah repaired. He's representing God. He says, you see, you can't do this. I'm All I'm asking is just come near. I will do this for you. Will you? Please. God said, will you just come near? I will start the work of repair in your life. Would you just come near? You can't repair yourself. No man has saved himself. I will do it for you. Will you just come near? He repaired the altar. And then, let's go further. Yes, I mean. And Elijah, not the people. He represents God there. What did Elijah do? He took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob. Then, with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And then, he put the wood in order. And he cut the bull in pieces. And he laid it on the wood. And then he told them one thing. No? Please, bring, bring water. Bring water. 
Bring what? What little you have still left, bring it. Bring your what? Do you know when you do not come to church on time, especially during worship time, you are depriving the altar of the little anointing, little part of the Holy Spirit everybody brings, you deprive it. That's what corporate worship is. What is corporate worship? The spirit that is in all of us in different, different, different parts. Jesus, of course, was filled without measure. Everybody's measure is different. You, Everybody brings, comes together early. At the same time, the spirit starts flowing and there is worship taking place. This is all of you bring your water. I can do the rest. We'll bring your anointing because this is a church service. This is not pastor service. This is a church service. Bring your water. Everybody bring. Everybody bring. And pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. How many times? Do it a second time. Do it a third time. Why? Four jars. Once. Four jars. Twice. Four jars. Three times. How many jars? Twelve. How many tribes? Everybody. Everybody in the nation is represented. Bring your little bit, please. Bring your little bit. These 12 jars that are pouring is the anointing that is upon every person that is on Israel. You pour it on the altar. Bring it. Bring your little. When you come on a Sunday, bring it. Pour it. Let there be anointing flowing in the house of God. Bring it. Don't let dryness kill you. Don't. Don't let rebellion kill you and your generations. Because where there is no anointing, it's a dry place. Where it is a dry place, demonic comes. And when the demonic comes, you become stiff-necked. When you get stiff-necked, slowly you become rebellious. Rebellious to what? The word of God and the spirit of God. That's how you know. That's how you know. Can be outwardly religious, but inwardly stiff naked. Remember that young lady called Hagar, running away from her master's house? You know what the angel told her? Rebellious. Angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going? No, but that's one of those famous questions. Do you know where you're coming from? Do you know where you're going? Kahan se aare, kahan jare? Do you know? This one house in this entire land where there is salvation. You're running from that house. You meaning you rebelled against that man and his wife. You who escaped the Pharaoh's clutches as a slave and got sold into a wonderful house, you're running from that house. Why? You're fighting a mistress now. What did he say? I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. What did he say? He said, return to your mistress. You are a rebel. You are a rebel. Go submit to your mistress. It's that rebellion that passes on to that boy. And not the father's surrender. The mother's rebellion. You are a rebel, Hagar. You are sitting right by the water. And you are rebellious. Go. Go back. Little later when we see the sun, 
Later when we see the son in 21 verse 9, when we see Ishmael. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham. Doing what? Scoffing. Scoffing at whom? Isaac. Isaac means laughing. Ishmael is scoffing. So God says, who are you? When you come to the house of God, when you hear things of God, are you laughing? Because you are full of joy. Why are you mocking? Are you a scoffer? Why are you full of joy? You know what happens when you dwell in dry places? This is what happens. In the house of the man of God, there are two people who are dry. One is a rebel, the other is a scoffer. And they have to leave again. Second time they have to leave because of the scoffers have to go. Paul also, Peter also said in the last days before the end, scoffers will come. It's a sign of Esau has to go. Those who sit there and scoff. And what does scripture say? Verses 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder, gave it and the boy Hagar and sent her away. She departed, wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba and the water in the skin was used up. She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance about a bow short, for she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. She wept. God heard her. No, he didn't hear her. Let's read carefully. God heard thee? He didn't hear a voice. He doesn't listen to the voice of rebels. He heard the boy's cry, not the mother's. He heard his cry. And the angel of the Lord called to her, Hagar out of heaven, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for the Lord has heard the voice of the lad where he is. And then says, Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. It's not that. And verse 19, Open her eyes. And she saw a well of water. Mother and son are lying down to die with a well of water so close and the eyes are close to it. And all around the world, people in the churches are dying of thirst with the Holy Spirit willing to pour out because their eyes are closed. Eyes are closed. They are not able to see unless God opens our eyes. That's why we pray, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Scripture says on the road to Emmaus, they are walking and they're walking and they're discussing scripture and he's walking with them, but they're not able to recognize him because he closed their eyes. Here is Hagar and her son Ishmael next to a well and they are not able to see. They're getting ready to die because their eyes are closed to the provision of the Holy Spirit next to them. And how many people die like that? How many people die like that? And you have a God who is just waiting to speak. Waiting to speak. And he says, I will not count your iniquity. Just come near. That's all. Come near. The call is come near. Ziklag is gone. Everything is lost. All your men are against you. And David, there's nobody but he knows he has God. And he encouraged him. So that's why I said you need to know your God. Because when the situation comes, you have to approach your God by the knowledge of God. He knew his God. Lord, I am goofed up. I am goofy. But I also know who you are. You are not goofy. You are the merciful God whose mercy endures forever. I am coming to you not based on your righteousness. I am coming to you based on your mercy. And he goes. 
What does he say? Abiyadar, bring the, bring the, what is the effort made of? Linen. Made of linen. Abiyadar, bring the effort. Stand before me with the righteousness of Christ Jesus and inquire of the Lord. He will speak to me because I'm not standing before you on my righteousness. I'm standing before you, O Lord, in his righteousness. Speak to me, O Lord. Speak. And God spoke. Hear, pursue, overtake, recover my son. Run. I am for you and not against you. Even when you are sinning against me, even when you are running in the darkness, even when you are serving the Lord of this world, I was for you. I was not against you because I know you by name. Come near me. I will answer you. Come near. Come near. Everywhere I go, I say, salvation is three inches and one feet away. Three inches. From here to here. One feet. Will you just bend your knee before him? That's all it takes. Lord, I believe. And Lord, I surrender. God says, done deal. Let's walk together. Let's walk together. But, three inches can take a lifetime. Then one feet may never happen. God says, that's all. Just there, well of water, lying down to die. Mother is dying. Son is dying. Mother is crying. Church is crying. The next generation is crying. And God says, just open your eyes and look. No one has to die because I came to give you life and life in abundance. Would you put away all your junk and just come to me? You drank from this well over and over and over and over. Are you still thirsty? How many movies have you watched? How many games have you played? The amount of grass you have smoked, you could make a house. Are you satisfied? No, Lord. He says, try me. Try me. Just try me. Come near. Try me. It's not only when you try me, you will be satisfied. It will, satisfaction will start welling up within you. It's not only enough. It will start flowing from you. Come. Come. Holy God could open our eyes. Hagar and Ishmael represents the rebellious. And God says, why are you stiff-necked? To you also I have a well here prepared, water flowing. But you will become a great nation. What are you fighting me for? I'm not against you, I'm for you. Oh rebels, I am for you. Don't be a dry place. And what about the depressed, the discouraged and the suicidal? That's what's taking over the world. U.S. statistics says suicide rate in the youth has gone up by 56%. Last year alone, FBI record says 57,000 young people committed suicide in the most prosperous place in the world. All. This is suicide alone. We are not talking about opioid deaths. And vaping. Vaping deaths. It's all being banned over there. Nothing is going to change. Because unless the Holy Spirit moves, people will continue to die. The one who gives life is Christ. Suicidal. 
The next chapter that is what you see in Kings. The man who stood alone is suicidal. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Elijah sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And the man broke. When he saw that, he arose, ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might, might, he got his theology right. Lord, I, I will not kill myself, Lord. Because if I commit suicide, I don't know where I will go. But if you kill me, I know where I will go. So why don't you take my life, please? He's praying for a miracle. I'm hoping for a stone to fall on my head or this tree to fall on me, Lord. Please take my life. Enough. Are you suicidal today? Are you discouraged today? Are you depressed today? Take my life, Lord. There's no meaning. I was telling them, in those cities, three, four cities I was, I told them. One of the worst things to see in the church, not outside, in the church, is people without purpose. Outside people have purpose. Something temporary, they are chasing it. In the church, people have attained nirvana. No purpose. And a person without a purpose is one of the most miserable sights in the kingdom of God. Enemy is there. God's name is there, God's spirit is there, God's anointing is there, God is for you, everybody is trembling and running and one guy with purpose comes and says, who is this Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised fellow who dare defies against the armies of the living God? Isn't there a cause? Don't you have a cause in your life? No purpose. He had lost his purpose. Forgotten everything. I want to die. Now he's echoing whose words? The widows. Elijah you lived with that widow for too long. Her spirit, your spirit should have transferred to her, but looks like her spirit transferred to you. I want to die. Because that's what the first words she, he heard from her. I want to eat and die. Now he also wants to die. God is gentle. Very, very gentle. Very, very kind. He always says in the word, I will not forget your labor of love. Look at what he does in 6. He lay and slept under a broom. Suddenly an angel smacked him, no, touched him, gently, wake, woke him up, arise and eat. And what did he see? He looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. Eat and drink. He ate, drank, and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. What the scripture says, he arose and ate, and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Did you see what God does? He says, arise. The journey is long. He never says this journey is easy. It is short. He says, the journey is hard. The journey is hard. It's too much for you. You need my word. You need my spirit. You need my son. You need my spirit. Otherwise you will not be able to make this. It's a 40 day journey. How many days? 40 days. 40 days spiritually means what? How many years is a jubilee? 50 years is a jubilee when the captives are set free. 40 into 50? 2000 year journey for the church. Eat my bread. Drink my spirit. And walk. At the end of 2000 your redemption is near. You'll be free. 
At the end of 2,000 years, you will be standing on the mound with the lamb. And you will go with him wherever he goes. It's a 2,000 year journey. Eat, drink, and go. Eat, drink, and go. Eat, drink, and go. That was in the old covenant. The new covenant, he changes it. Because I said, unless this one final fact gets into your head. And with that, I'm closing in five minutes. It is this. In the Old Testament, everything ended with death. The new covenant, everything begins with death. Until you have seen that clear, honestly I'm telling you, you will not amount to anything in God's kingdom. You have to make your terms with death now. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid to die. I'm looking forward to it. It's going home. I'm looking forward to going home. It's a departure. Peter will say, the Lord has already shown me Time to put away this tent. I'm not afraid. Once you have conquered the fear of death, then everything is easy. Everything is easy. Everything is easy. Then you are ready. That's where he begins. He begins where the Old Testament ends. The Old Testament ends with everybody's death. And he begins with death. And we are held by the power of death. Afraid. We are not afraid of our own death. We are afraid if I die, what will happen to these? God says, you think you... That's one of the things which he told me. I said, Lord, I am not afraid to die, but I got five children. He said, you think you love your children more than me? I said, no. He said, what's your problem? What's your problem? One of the most liberating thoughts, words God ever spoke to me. You are free to die. I will take care of them. You don't have to worry about them. Because the issue is that sometimes we are not afraid to die. We always look, who will take care of this? As if there is no God. God will say, the same God who took care of you, will take care of him or her. Don't worry. Arise, eat and walk. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Because this is the age of the Holy Spirit. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't move, we are nothing. And I keep telling you, Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. It's a person. It's a person. When the Holy Spirit comes, you have power, you have a person, and you have a counselor. You have a counselor. There are different things you said. You have a counselor who will speak to you. I'm not saying that he speaks to you every day. He will teach you every day. I will not say he tells you to move every day. No. Between the time God spoke to him to speak to Ahab, let's take a time period of three and a half years. Go to Ahab, speak this. After that, go to Cherith, do this. After that, go to Zarephath, do this. After this, go and show yourself to Ahab and go to the Mount Carmel. In three and a half years, how many times did God speak to him? That's all you need. The rest of the time, you live by faith, by what you know. Are you getting the picture? People think to live by, walk by faith means every day he will give you direction like a GPS, 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 GPS. No. Let me tell you about GPS. I'm going from here to Warangal. Okay, I'm going from here to Warangal. It will tell you GPS, turn left, turn left, left, until you get to get onto this OR, go onto the highway. And then that lady, not the Holy Spirit, the lady will say, 
Keep going for the next 150 kilometers. Let me tell you, on that 150 kilometers, does that lady tell you anything? No. But you want this lady to tell you how good you are, how great your driving is, how, does the lady say any of those things? She doesn't tell anything, right? And you are, but if you go wrong, she will say, reroute, reroute. When you get out of the way, the Holy Spirit will say, reroute, reroute, get back on the track, get back on the track. He reroutes you. You went off road. Sometimes he doesn't speak. If he doesn't speak to you at all, you are on the road. You're on the road. He says, I will tell you when to take the next turn. Just keep going. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Don't worry about yesterday's. The Pharaoh is there. The army is there. The chariots are there. The mountains are The water is there. What did God tell the people? Keep moving. What did you tell them? Keep moving. Keep moving. Modi is there. Amit Shah is there. Trump is there. C is there. It doesn't matter. Keep moving. The time comes to turn. He will tell you. Live by what you know. That's living by faith. And when it times to turn, he will tell you. Turn here. Turn here. In three and a half years, the prophet only heard four times. But each time what he heard was important. It changed his direction. From Cherith to Zarephath. From Zarephath to Carmel. And then he did not hear. He, like David, listened to the voice of a servant sent by Jezebel and he cut and ran. God was merciful. I knew. I knew you were about to break. So I have provision for that also. Take a good nap. Now get up, eat, drink, sleep again. Now get up, eat, drink, and now you walk. I shall tell you what to do. Next. She'll tell you. That's walking with God and living by faith. That is it. It's not so complicated as you think. But you have to hear. If you haven't ever heard like Lot, then you will hear on your last day. Get ready to die. Did you speak to me? Is that you? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. No, I am. You never heard me for the first time and the last time I'm telling you. Put your house in order. Get ready to die. <laughs> Don't hear on the last day. Don't wait to hear on the last day. He is merciful. He will speak to you also on the last days. I've seen, met people who to whom he speak. Even my father, two days before he died, he got saved and he died. Nobody understood. Only I understood. Nobody understood. That's why God kept the entire family away from him and the only believing child, the only believing person in the entire family sat with him for 10 days and nobody else. So others were all doctors. He kept them all away, supernaturally. And I sat with him, went from Hyderabad, sat with him for 10 days, sat with him. All I did was sit with him and read scripture to him. Two days before he died, he accepted the Lord and he went. He went, but he went to the right place. You don't have to wait to hear on the last day. You can hear early and walk with him. Amen? Amen. Shall we stand? Shall we thank God? He's an awesome, awesome God. The best thing he did is we don't have to fear death anymore. We don't have to fear death anymore. There was another portion for you today, but I'm keeping it away for next week. It's about Ezekiel seeing the house of God and from the threshold, the water flowing. And it flows, and it flows from the ankles to the knees, and it goes higher and higher until you are not able to move in the water anymore. And the new covenant God says, you are my house. 
and out of you shall first well with springs of living water, and then it shall flow. And when it flows, wherever it flows, there shall be life. And that's one thing you have to look, Lord. I thank you for my salvation. But wherever I go, Lord, is there some semblance of your life? Your life? It's not me. It's your river flowing from me. Am I bringing life? Am I touching people? Am I just surrendering myself into your hands so that you touch people through me? I'm not talking about ministry, full-time ministry. I'm talking wherever you are. Wherever you are. Am I touching, Lord? Is the river flowing? Is the river flowing? Or am I the block, stumbling block to your river flowing? Because you have called us so the river may flow. Because on that day, that is now, this week in Israel, right? This is the week, the same festival that is happening in Israel. On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood in the temple 2,000 years ago. The high priest used to bring and pour water as a symbol. In the same period 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood in the temple and with a loud voice he cried and he said, all those who are thirsty, come and drink. And out of you shall flow rivers of living water. And scripture says he was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. This week, you check Israel, what's happening in Israel. This is a week of that festival. 2,000 years ago, the real person, the real high priest, Melchizedek, stood there in the temple that was destroyed. And he said, come, drink, let it flow. Let it bring forth life in this nation, wherever you go. Let it bring forth life. That's what we are called, life, to give life. Amen? There's a Hindi song which he used to sing 25 years ago in Assam. Badi andi andi anase or badi tufan anase mera diya jalta rahega. Badi andi anase bada tufan anase mera diya jalta rahega. Meaning the storm and the cyclone is a test where your light is real. Your faith is real. That's why Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Every trouble you are facing, every trial you are facing, every test you are facing is to prove the light in you is real, the river in you is real, the anointing of your life is real. That's the test. Because there is something more precious than gold. That is your faith. It has to be tested to be proved it is genuine. Because you are saved by grace through, through faith. So grace is never tested. That's God. But your and my faith will be always tested. At every level God was preparing his servant and testing his faith. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Because we are coming to the end of the tenth month. Another two more months left. And tests will only increase. It is not going to decrease for anybody. There are no tests, you are not moving. If you are not moving, you are not growing. If you are not growing, you are stagnant, you are going back. You cannot go back in the kingdom. There is no going back. Scripture says, my righteous who walks by faith, if he draws back, my soul is not pleased with him. We don't draw back. We keep going forward. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Merciful God. Kind, awesome God. 
after messing up completely for 16 months of God, you waited for, you were waiting for David just to come and cry out. And you were for him. After running and being suicidal, you were there for Elijah. You fed him, quenched his thirst, gave him rest, and gave him enough strength to walk 40 days to stand before you, Lord. Who is there like you, Lord? There is none, Father. And I pray this morning for every life that is here and those who hear over the days, weeks, that is dry. We were not called to be dry. We are called to be containers of that living water, so Lord. We cannot be dry. Because dry people, dry places are the haunts of demons. They are looking for dry places. And I pray nobody here is the haunt of demons. And I pray and I command that there would be an overflow into their lives, O Lord. There would be a surrender in their lives, O Lord. That stiffness would go from their lives. That stubbornness would depart, O God. And the Holy Spirit will start moving, O God. For in the new covenant, it is not so much about water. You changed even it, Lord. There's a paradigm shift from the old to the new covenant. You turn water into wine, O God. It is joy. Joy, 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 knowing that death has been overcome. That to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. That worship 24 by 7, oh God, can flow from your people, from their spirit. This is a set of people who are set free. Captives who have been set free. And set free, we do not have the spirit of slavery anymore. We have the spirit of adoption by which we cry out to you, Abba, Father, O Lord. Oh, Father, I pray that tangible results would be seen in the lives of your people. A rejoicing, a laughing people like Isaac, he laughs. He laughs. We should be a people characterized by joy, knowing who loves us, who redeemed us, who is our Savior, and to whom we are going. And we are just pilgrims, O oh Lord, in this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. I pray, Father, your children, all of us, and all those who hear will be defined by your spirit and by your word. And your word to us today is this. Arise, eat, and drink. For the journey ahead is too much for you. Eat and drink and go. Climb up to the mountain of God. and We will hear from you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I speak healing into sick bodies. I speak peace into troubled souls. And I command everyone who is captive, the powers that are holding them, to release them in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I pray for a unshackling of feet and hands. Lord, that feeble hands will be lifted up. Feeble knees will be strengthened. Has that cripple at the gate called beautiful, O Lord, when his knees, his ankles were set free, he leaped and worshipped, O God. And people saw his worship and rejoiced in the Lord of Father. And I pray this church, your people will be a set of people who are set free, Lord, that even when they go home, when they go to their offices, inside they would be bubbling, knowing God loves me, and I love my God, and I know where I am going, and nothing, nothing troubles me. Not because my troubles are not real, but because God is with me, God is for me, and if God is for me, 
who can be against me? I pray this will be real for your children, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. We love you, Father. We, by faith, lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we lift up our voices and we declare in the house of God, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. Amen. We ask all this, Father, in the precious, matchless name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.